Hi everybody, this is Tracy Malone from NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. Welcome to my channel and to my podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about how to thrive after abuse. What do we do? What are some of the key components? Today, I'm talking with Joanna Lynn from Canada. She has a, um, what is her technical name? She, she has an institute to look at family patterns, the family constellation work and very powerful stuff. She's brilliant. And today we're going to talk about boundaries. How are you at setting boundaries? If you were the narcissist, I'm guessing not so good. Uh, it's never easy to set a boundary with a narcissist, even if we actually do try. If we were raised by a narcissist, it's probably not something in our palette that we had the opportunity to learn and perfect. So without any further ado, let's talk to Joanna and see how she's going to advise us to get started on going to thriving. Hello, Joanna, I'm so excited to see you. Great to be with you here again, Tracy. I know every time we're together, it's like seeing a, a ray of sunshine on the other end. So <laughs> um, today we're gonna be talking about um, sort of how to survive after and how to learn how to set boundaries after abuse, how to learn how to thrive. Everybody's desire is, is to, you know, thrive after abuse. And I think there's skills they have to learn, right? There's things they have to learn inside themselves. And, and much of it could be things like boundaries or learning to just, you know, speak when, when you are, are feeling like you need to. Um, yeah. The first question I want to ask you is like, when, when does it, where does the person notice that what others need before they know inside of themselves? Yeah, that really is a tracking pattern of where we get ourselves into complicated relationships in the first place. And um, as you know, maybe your listeners are learning, a lot of the work I do starts out at that family of origin. What is that blueprint or that imprint of how we learn to love? And so often with those of us who notice what other people need before we even notice what we need for ourselves, it starts in our childhood whether we've taken care of a sad mom or looked at what the needs of an alcoholic father might be. And we actually leave our developing sense of self, that child self, to go over there to make things a little easier for mom or dad. You know, the childlike innocence of, if mom and dad are okay, then maybe they'll give to me what I need to be okay. And left unchecked, if this isn't something we know is going on behind the scenes, because as you know, Tracy, this is all unconscious, sort of guiding us behind the, the curtain. And unless we learn to bring it forward, we end up bringing that same pattern into the way we love, into our adult relationships. And it can get pretty complicated pretty quickly. Absolutely. So I, I know in your work, um, and you do family constellation work as well as so many other things, what's, your, what's the way that you lead people to figure out the difference between what their parents need and those recordings in our head before they meet their needs first. How would yeah. you put someone through that? So everything is revealed in our language, in how we describe the dynamics of the relationship or how we describe how we feel in love. And often I can track that back all the way to where we learned those patterns, why that's our knee-jerk response, how we leave ourselves to go over there and make things better for others. Yeah. And, and, and that's why we get 
um, sucked up by abusive people is that we are willing to just leave our needs at the curb and take mm-hmm. care of everyone else. So that brings up a, a like, like the, the number one or two thing people have to learn to break that pattern. And, and that's boundaries. Boundaries mm-hmm. are our way of saying no. And, you know, most victims of abuse are sort of boundary averse. Like we, we don't like conflict. So we're just like, if we don't ask for it, but we just do for others, then they'll like us. So where do we start with boundaries when someone's in that place of, you know, I don't have needs, I'll just take care of everyone else. Mm-hmm. How could that possibly be, right? <laughs> where do we start from there? Well, I think the first place is inside our own body, inside that awareness of, wait a minute, what are my needs and how are they separate from what's out there? Because it can be such a knee-jerk reaction. You said it perfectly. I just notice everything out here. I'm okay. And I feel good in the giving. And so we can know that's not sustainable. We can know that comes to the end of the road. And that first part is when I give all of myself away, what's left. And so that big part is coming back into your body, building that sense of core strength, the who am I and what do I need? These are some very new questions um, to someone who's looking at what could a healthy relationship look like when it's reciprocal, when there's that healthy give and take. And I start to notice the yes response in my body and how that differs from absolutely not. That feels like it's asking too much. You made a valid point. Um, when we give it all away to someone else, mm-hmm. um, in the people pleaser, I'm self-professed people pleaser, do it all for others, codependent, you know, I've got all the labels I can put bubbles around my body. But when we're in that place and that relationship ends, what's left of you? If you've given it all away, the people that come to coaching for you or I, I don't know who I am because you gave it all away. So the idea is to hold on to it and not, obviously we cannot change the past. What's happened back there is a lesson for us to learn and move forward and go, I don't want to do that. But I know that again, the conflict of verse, the boundary of verse that, that sits inside of us just to keep the peace and keep the quiet and not walk on eggshells of doing more Mm -hmm. in that situation. Um, we have to learn to identify what it is we need to set a boundary about. And many mm-hmm. people don't even know that. They know that if they say no, they're gonna hit a wall, they're gonna get yelled at, they're gonna you know, get the pouting and, and the you know, passive aggressive behaviors if they speak their voice, or maybe they tried and they finally surrendered to trying. How does someone start off with figuring out, I've lost everything, how do I not let that happen again? Mm-hmm. Because there's such a consequence inside for having set that boundary, the the withdrawal, the poutiness, the pushback. And so we make it mean inside of ourselves, you know what, it's just easier if I do it. But the truth is the resentment grows so big that it ends up shutting us down. So for any of your listeners who can resonate with what we're talking about, that sense of letting yourself have enough time in the rebuild. The recognition of, wow, we've gone way back here and there's going to be some time to rebuild that inner relationship with myself because that's the very early points of how we start a boundary. 
And so a lot of the times when I'm with clients, I talk about it's not about keeping the other person out because they're going to do what they do. They may have the demands that they have. That's a sort of a separate issue. But what's most important is staying within ourselves and keeping us in when we're triggered mm -hmm. so that we can begin to figure out what body responses are coming up, what's happening inside so that I get to know how I want to navigate this. So the first step is really staying with yourself when triggered. And a lot of the times it can be, oh, wow, I feel like the helpless child or I feel disrespected because I'm being talked over. And what's important to me isn't being acknowledged or heard. And then we want to backtrack a little bit into tending to that part of ourself that gets revealed when that boundary is crossed. Mm -hmm. Because it can feel like a really big leap just to set this boundary, put this line in the sand when we're still learning to know what that is for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think when someone learns to set boundaries, um, it's not something that you put a post-it on the mirror in the bathroom and say, set boundaries and like wish it. Like yeah. how do we get boundary smart? We actually set boundaries. The more we set, the more practice we have, the stronger we get the less guilt we feel because a lot of empathic people feel guilty when they set a boundary. Like, mm -hmm. like I, I can't do that. That that's like asking too much. I, I don't want to be the, the one that's so needy. Mm -hmm. It's self-preservation. You know, you are asking for things and the rules for someone to be in your life. If you are not doing that, you have no rules and you will lose yourself because you're not living your life. I couldn't have said it better. You know, we teach people how to treat us. And if we can really sit in, oh, wait a second, what has been my role in this? Where have I lost myself? Where have I just been, you know, propping things up to make it okay and not rocking the boat? But the cost of losing ourselves in the long run is, is far too much. Oh. And the boundary building is a practice. And even those of us who feel like, you know what, I've done my work. I feel really good. I've got good boundaries we will have a trigger point. There will be some situation or person that crosses our path and we get to you know, flex that muscle once again. We get to decide, oh, this feels really triggering. This has got me on the edge. And what is this? Where am I in this? Where have I lost that little part? And what do I need to say here in order to feel respecting myself? Mm -hmm. Right. When someone makes you feel icky, I don't care if it's invalidated, not heard, when they make you feel those things, that's where we have to like identify, I need to say, I need to say that's not okay. If you continue to talk to me that way, I always tell them, you have to have a consequence. And it has to be something like, if you continue to cheat on me, I'm gonna leave and then you never leave, it's not gonna work, right? If you, if you continue to talk like this, I'm not going to take your calls or I'll block you gets to a you know escalated level with a parent or someone you must let them know and then you must do it because when you're setting a boundary like that you're laying out hey I asked you you remember when our parents would be like I've asked you three times to do your homework right yeah 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 that was more of an ask that wasn't a boundary but at the same time when we are sitting here asking someone five times to do the same thing you know, and this is the rule, I need you to whatever, and they're just not doing it. That's the point where we have to throw in the consequence, right? This is the part, like, if you don't take out the garbage, 
son, you're not going to get your allowance. You're not going to get the things that make a difference. And that's, you know, a little on the threatening, but I'm, I'm using a mother-son relationship. Oh. But it is something that we have to let them know that this isn't okay. And when we fight back and speak up, the guilt can come in and go, did I do that wrong? Are they going to hate me? How do you, how boundary do you... is an action. Yeah. yeah. Boundary is an action step. Mm -hmm. And I think we've got to learn to be okay, Tracy, with the other side being displeased with us. We've mm -hmm. got to learn to be okay with, you know what, friend or spouse, I realize I'm letting you down because I'm not going to help you move again or attend this function that just makes me feel really closed and, and at a, a, uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I've got to be okay with letting you down more than letting myself down. Mm -hmm. And so we separate out those two differences so that we can navigate what is a yes, what is a no, instead of it gets so very confusing when we're in this place where it's all about what the other person needs from us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why is it so hard to set boundaries? What, what makes it like almost a visceral reaction for some people? I think from my perspective, because it's so highly influenced by that family of origin piece, it's sort of the, the cornerstone of my work, is a lot of us grew up with uh, parents that had a lot of high expectations. And if we don't do X, um, they're angry, they're withdrawn, um, there, there's, there's a bit of a pout or a pushback. And so we started that inner narrative or that inner decision somewhere along the way. It's just better if I do it. It's just better if I keep the peace. I'm not going to get the, you know, the, the emotional pushback over here. And so it is an embodied response. And so that's why so much of this is a practice. It's looking at, okay, wow, I really spoke what my needs were. And it felt so awkward. I even felt my voice become shaky. Okay, well, what am I learning about myself? And, you know, we try it on the next opportunity. Because we're working with the body memory of what it felt like to choose ourselves, to put that line in the sand, to say, this works for me and this doesn't. And it's a growing edge. It's a part of our emotional intelligence. It's a part of really being in a healthy relationship where our needs are valued and what's important to us is heard. Right. And I think, you know, when you are recovering from a toxic relationship, whether it be with parents or, or a, you know, a romantic relationship or a friend, mm -hmm. we have to learn that there are going to be people that were in our life that aren't going to like this new, new you, this new setting a boundary type of thing. And we're gonna to have to learn that we have to prune the trees every once in a while and only take respect from people and, and not listen to people and have people in our life that are you know, telling us that we shouldn't have that opinion, that it's not right there'll be people that will push you. And, and there's a perfect example. If we think about like, uh, we're going to go out tonight with all our friends and you say, gosh, I've got this big paper due tomorrow. You know, I can go out for an hour. And they're like, yeah, yeah, come out for an hour. And then at the hour number and you're like getting your stuff together and people are pressuring you, they're pushing your boundary. They're mm -hmm. actually testing you. And, you know, someone that, really respected you would say, oh no, I understand you've got work and we're so grateful that you came for the hour. You will catch you next time. But someone that's not going to listen to your boundaries is going to sit there and go, come on, one more drink. Don't be mm -hmm. so dumb. Right? When they're doing that thing, 
that is like the number one boundary breaking thing that we see happen on a regular basis. It's still not life changing, but it, that's someone that's not listening to your boundaries, right? Well, um, and these are the everyday examples that, that that's perfect that you bring that forward where we get to exercise it. Mm-hmm. And this friend might be the, the, the party, the life of the party, the, you know, and they just, their need of, I want to have all of my friends together somehow becomes more important than your own boundary and what you need to do for yourself. And so we get to think of this as an opportunity, a way to express what I need to do for myself mm-hmm. and what happens in my body when I know I'm letting this friend down. And that's the part that we can deal with inside of ourselves. That's where that glowing edge is. And it gets easier and easier every time. Yeah, it does. And, and, and we have to expect to feel like weird. Mm-hmm. We're in that bar scene and, and now there's two or three of them like, wow, come on, come on. Mm-hmm. You have to say, I'm taking care of me. I've got a test mm-hmm. tomorrow. I'm going home. Love you guys. Bye. Right. Yeah. That's setting a boundary and not feeling guilty about it when you walk away. Because if you walked away going, well, maybe I should have stayed a little longer, a little longer, right? Then you're, you're, you're hurting yourself. You know that you made this inner child promise to yourself that I'm going to get work done. I'm only going to go for an hour. I'll have a, a glass of water and, and get right back to work. And mm-hmm. again, when we let go of that rule, if you would, I'm only going to stay an hour and we stay longer we're the ones who now might fail the test or have something, you know, as, as a, a reaction to what we've not honored ourselves, And we will feel worse about that than we will feel about setting a boundary and sticking to it. That's it. And, and a big part of holding those boundaries with others is building and maintaining those boundaries within yourself. So where we keep promises with ourselves, where we stick with our own word, that really helps to strengthen where we're building the boundaries with others as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So is there anything on boundaries that I missed? Like, how would you suggest people sort of wean themselves into boundary setting? Hmm. I think the main piece is body-based because the origins of it started unconsciously, started in those very first loving relationships. And so we've got to include the body, which is, This is not about keeping that other person out, but it's about keeping me in when they do what they do or say what they say or even express their expectations. Mm -hmm. So when I stay with myself and decide what's right for me, then that's, that's the first step. And the second would be, how do I learn to be with what it feels like to disappoint or let down a good friend or my spouse or my parents? What is it like to notice, ah, they're disappointed and it's still okay. As you say, did I leave the bar? Is it okay? We don't want to bring a boundary hangover with us back to what we want to do. You know, we really want to be, this is the right choice for me, even if the other doesn't understand it. It's not for them to understand. It's for you. And if somebody gives you slack for setting a boundary, we put them on a list of people that we have to keep an eye on. We don't want to keep people in our life that are consistently not honoring what your needs are. Um, especially if you're the people pleaser, always gave to everyone else. It may feel weird to stand up and say, I have something I want to set for a boundary and then not have everybody listen to it. 
be really mindful about your environment. Be really mindful about the friends and the family members that you're sending these with. You will disappoint them. And if you happen to be with a narcissist, they're not going to like it. And I have a, a saying that I put up on Instagram a while back, and it's something like, most say setting a boundary with a narcissist is never easy, if at all even possible. Um, I say setting the boundary, no matter what the outcome could be, is always better than not. Because when we give in and we surrender, we surrender away all of our power, and we're the ones that lose. So exactly. it's just something that we have to understand. Keep trying. Don't stop trying. Don't give in. Don't surrender because you do have a voice. And if the, the narcissistic person in your life isn't listening, then they need the consequence. They need the time out, whatever it is that is going to protect you and say, no, that's still not okay. You have to stand up for yourself regardless of how difficult it is, because at the end of the day, it's more than worth it. And I think it's perfectly reasonable and actually quite healthy to take an inventory. You know, who are the people in my lives that I, my life that I spend the most time with and which of them sustain me and empower me and make me feel good and which of them completely exhaust me. Mm -hmm. and, and you get to decide which, which of that list you want to be with. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So let, let's like close it out with, with what other tips and things that you can tell people that want to go to that thriving point. You know, we're talking about a lot of boundary stuff today. Mm -hmm. What other things can help them get to that thriving state? Mm. I think looking back on previous relationships, even that sentence you said a little earlier, Tracy, I really like where we've noticed where we've given parts of ourselves away. You know, where did I lose myself? Was it in the moment of conflict? Was it their needs felt somehow more important than mine? And so I lost that part of myself. So just like we take a running inventory of our current friends that we're spending time with, mm -hmm. let's take an inventory, even if it's, you know, through writing it out and journaling, where did I lose myself in certain relationships? Do I need to look at how um, I strengthen my communication in conflict? Is it for me? No, no, this boundary piece that I really want to work on that. Is it this sense of how do I stay with myself? Um, if I'm with a friend who's really grieving and I recognize I can't solve this for her, I can sit in this conversation, but I can't make it better. So do I lose myself in emotional stuff? So just kind of noticing what are my traits and how do I want to feel in relationships? Because I think sometimes in those challenging places, we get really clear on what some of those non-negotiables are that we wouldn't have maybe known had we not gotten into such a challenging situation. So use that as a clarity point and how you can move forward. Thank you. That's so helpful. Um, it is always such a pleasure to talk with you. And um, I would love for you to tell people a little bit about yourself, how they can find you, because um, I love your work. I did a constellation workshop with you online so you can reach people anywhere can you just share a little bit about that oh, well thanks tracy yes i have an international practice and i work online in groups and also in my private practice really bringing this whole idea of epigenetics and how none of us get to be the way we are by accident we're very much imprinted by our families and really untangling all of that 
So we might think, oh, it's a marriage issue, it's a health issue, and really the roots of that go all the way back into our family. And so it's a bit of a detective work to find out what's connected to what to really come for the client's resolution. Mm-hmm. And your website? Is www.joannalynn.ca. She's a Canada girl, ladies. That's yep. it. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Everybody look her up. Um, I am telling you the stuff that she does is going to help you find the root cause of a lot of stuff. So you can get into one of her groups. I highly recommend it. It was very powerful. I remember each one of the sessions like it was yesterday because I got so much out of it. So thank you. And we'll see you here. Yeah. See you soon, Tracy. Thank you. I hope you found that helpful. Joanna is like such a wealth of information. Please visit her website for more information. If you were raised by a a narcissistic parent or even in somewhat dysfunctional of a home, it's time to look at the root origin of some of the things that are happening in your life now. Um, So follow up with her. If you are looking to set boundaries and learn how to set boundaries, I've got a course on my website, Narcissist Abuse Support. Um, and the, the boundaries course is only $15. It's like four hours of videos, all these worksheets, things to think about. But it's a really important step in going, yeah, I want to get better at that. So visit my website, find that little page. We'll put a link down below so you don't have to go finding it. But um, it will help you get to the path of, of rebuilding your strength. The power of no is like nothing you've ever experienced if you haven't been doing it. It's weird at first, but then it becomes more comfortable. The bottom line is that you don't feel bad because you didn't say no anymore. So this is Tracy Malone from NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. If you're interested and need some coaching, understanding narcissistic abuse or how to heal, you can also find that on my website. Have a great day.